0: Um, the barrio assemblies and these like you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church.
1: What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? Um, you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to The Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Dean Detloff. I'm a PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto.
0: And I'm Matt Bernico. I teach media studies at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois.
1: This week we are going to talk about the Socialist Party uh, in a minute, but before we do, we have to confess that we've run completely out of creative juices, and we're both just totally spent, totally exhausted. We're just Uh, really,
0: really juiced over here
1: really no juice left in the tank um i think it's because episode 100 is coming up so i'm saving all the juice i've got till then
0: yeah um i've been teaching a really intense class over the last two weeks so my juice has been going towards that i guess and i need to build up more i feel like juice is bad sort of it's gross right in this kind of context (laughs) i need Uh, more podcast mana Uh, i need to get more podcast (laughs) mana before we can do episode 100 I think it's yeah, that sounds right. It is, yeah.
1: Pick up a few more globes, spend that in-game currency, get some more of that podcast mana.
0: <laughs> That's right. Hey, do you know what always refills my uh, my Christian leftist podcast mana fuel tanks?
1: Oh, I don't, I don't, but I'd love to know your secrets.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, my big secret here is I just read
1: christianforums.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see how that would uh, regenerate everything in the tank. Um, you might be surprised because I too like to read christianforums.com. I'll be curious to stumble across your avatar at some point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, this is the bit we're doing now. Uh, we're going to talk about christianforums.com because we found (laughs) it and it's so rad. And, uh, Dean and I have been on it maybe for like mm, a long time now, just reading the weird posts. But yep, that's right. It's a forum for Christians in, uh, 2019, the year of our Lord uh and the forums range from everywhere uh to like bad jokes Uh, i'm sorry clean like clean jokes with no uh big swears in them all the way out to uh christian preppers (laughs) like communities (laughs) of christians who are prepping for the end of the world it's pretty wild man i don't know but it does definitely uh make me feel better about my life and i like that a lot
1: yeah uh when matt says that we've been looking at for a long time um it's it's 12.30 a.m. in Toronto right now, so that's the situation <laughs> that we're in. <laughs> um, okay, let's dive in here. Uh, so where else would you start other than by descending down into the bunker in true Magnificent fashion uh, to visit the Christian Preppers Forum? Um, this is by far my favorite. Uh, my favorite for a couple of reasons. Uh, let me read a quick statement of purpose on this forum. So they say, The purpose of the Christian Preppers Forum is to inform and encourage other believers to consider prepping. Prepping is the act of preparing for catastrophic events, natural disasters, and tribulations. Biblical or (laughs) (laughs) non-biblical. Already very good. Uh, The hope is that in real life, Christian believers would then share their efforts and work towards building local communities of Christian Preppers who will help each other and help the needy in the event that trouble comes. Here's what I love about this forum. First of all, it's bizarre. Uh, I love that. I just love, I love weird Christian subcultures so much. Uh, but what I love the most about it is that there's actually like a really, really charming motive underneath all this that like in the event of complete and total catastrophe, the Christians who are on Christian preppers, you just got to find them. They'll help you out. This is what they're for.
0: Yeah. Um, maybe like on a regular prepper website, a non, uh, you know, a full of secular preppers.
1: A heathen um,
0: prepping site. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. You might find lots of conspiracy theories and, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, p- pretty racist plots about people groups taking over the world or whatever. Um, I don't know that. Not you might not find that too, but like that's just something you might find. It wouldn't be out of place, I think, um, on the Christian forums. Uh, Christian pepper. Oh man, on the Christian forums. <laughs> Christian peppers is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> christian, got like christian peppers in my garden <laughs> oh yeah my christian pepper <laughs> that's my uh that's my very religious grandpa um <laughs>
1: that christian pep
0: <pep-pep>. pep <laughs> uh, the <laughs> it's really getting a... away from us tonight <laughs> Could there be a sub form that's just christian peep <laughs> 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 oh man well Okay, goddamn. damn. Um, let me just start over from this whole this whole situation here. <laughs> okay. So maybe on uh, a secular uh, prepper website, you might find, like, lots of conspiracy theories and how to build, like, a functioning toilet from uh, stuff you find in the gas station or something. Uh, <laughs> but on the christianforums.com, Christian Preppers subforum, you find really wonderful posts like this. Uh... Like this post from uh, user Southern Scotty, who is a well known member and has over 6,000 comments. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, Southern Scotty posts uh, anyone else want to live in a cave?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. It's yeah. so good.
0: Uh, it's so good and actually pretty wholesome. So Southern Scotty goes on to say, I've always wanted to live in a cave. We had one at our farm that was big and had a natural spring inside of it. I always dreamed of building a house in there and having a cascading waterfall in my living room. The temp would always be the same. You wouldn't have... You, the temp would always be the same and you'd have clean water right there. I always thought it would be awesome. So I looked... On, so I look... Oh my gosh. I always thought it would be awesome. So I looked online at some of the amazing homes people have built in caves and it's amazing. <laughs> uh, and then, um, okay, the next commenter says, I've always wondered what it would be like. And then the
1: third commenter says, Nope, never want to live in a cave. That'd be really weird. that would be really weird almost as weird as being on a christian preppers forum in the year 2018 (laughs) yeah it might be as weird as that yeah could be
0: um there's a lot of really Uh, weird things about this website uh i'm not um okay i'm not sanctioning sort of like anyone to maybe go and touch this eco this like ecosystem here um i think we do need to sort of preserve the wholesomeness of this uh for the most part but uh just go take a look at christianforums.com and just kind of like like you're going to the weird uh internet Christian zoo or something. It's uh, a really weird situation. <laughs>
1: uh yeah, it's pretty wild. There's a lot of wild things about it. Um like if you on the forums uh like profile, you can identify where you live, you can identify your religious denomination, and you can also identify your marital status, including celibacy. Uh Southern <laughs> I feel Scotty is so celibate. Bad <laughs> It's really confusing to me because he's also Baptist, but I want to imagine that he's a Catholic priest, just like whittling away his hours, uh, larping it as like a Baptist who wants to live in a cave.
0: Yeah, this user, uh, Southern, celibate so Baptist, forty-seven-year-old man with uh, Tom Holland Spider Man, <laughs> and he's like uh, trying to get people to in this cave with him. So,
1: you know, we don't life. know that
0: Tom Holland isn't a Baptist. We don't know that and we also don't know if Tom Holland is or is not forty seven and lives in Arkansas and is yearning <laughs> to live in a cave. We just can't know. We don't it's one of those things, you know?
1: <laughs> we never will. Uh, it's it's a secret that Tom will share at the appropriate time or will guard <laughs> <laughs> until he goes to his grave. That's up to Tom. It's up to Tom. Don't everyone don't pressure Tom. Stop tweeting at him about how he might be forty seven, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I mean, if anything, this uh, this very brief um, dive into uh, Christian preppers and Christianforums.com should tell you that you ought to leave us a couple of iTunes reviews uh, or something to give us some content to get us going. Because uh, left to our own devices, we're obviously not capable. Um, speaking of the episode 100, like I said earlier, is coming up in just a few episodes, and we are we're going to try our hand at theology, but the Magnificast style. So if you're into that, send us some some good theology questions that we can banter about for a little while. Um, We'll bring our complete and total expertise, which amounts to literally actually zero.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you ever ever had a question about theology and you definitely want some people who aren't experts to answer it, this is your time to ask it, I think. And you'll get our own sort of, you know, skewed sort of like
1: family guy kind of humor in it. (laughs) that twisted sense of humor that offbeat (laughs) offbeat no fcc style humor (laughs) that's right um
0: we'll definitely have to like probably bleep some of it out because it's just gonna be full of cusses
1: yeah hbo on fox that's us
0: (laughs) cool hey let's do some other stuff though that's not this
1: (laughs) yeah that sounds good
0: so in the very last episode we did we uh read some stuff from Jody Dean and kind of dug into the party structure to figure out like what communist parties are supposed to do and like why they might be important. We also tried to figure out like maybe where Christians fit in, uh, like with a party kind of situation and like whether or not they could or they should or whatever. Um, in this episode, we're going to take a look at um, an article that kind of explores that question more historically. So we read Dan McCannon's article, The Implicit Religion of Radicalism, Socialist Party Theology 1900 to 1934. And uh, we're going to just like talk a little bit about um, what Dan McCannon saw um, within the Socialist Party of America and um, how Christians played a part in that p- in that particular leftist party.
1: Yeah, uh, this is really exciting for me to talk through also because I'm teaching this in the class that I'm teaching um, on Saturday. So good chance to go over it a little bit and maybe give people a sneak peek of what's happening in that class. Um So what's great about this essay, I think, is that, uh, McKinnon has this knack for like summarizing a ton of historical data into digestible ideas or themes. Um, and in this case he identifies three. So he says that the theology that is part of the socialist party or that kind of emerges from it, um, can be sort of understood as, as having these three essential, like recurring features, Um, So we'll talk through each of them in a minute here, but just to get them all on the table up front. So he says it's defined first by an acknowledgement of social sin. So there's like a social aspect, not just an individual aspect to sin. Uh, And then alongside that, that socialism is an integral part of the Christian message of salvation, um, which they some of them sort of use the language of uh, building the kingdom of God on earth by establishing a cooperative commonwealth. Um, So it's this kind of Christian vision of socialism as the answer to that social sin. So that's the first theme. The second theme is that Jesus is a socialist. Not that he is compatible with socialism or that he would have hung out with socialists, but that he is one. So really strong claim. And then the third theme is kind of a weird one. Um, It's this idea of universal religion that socialism actually becomes a religion that supplants or transcends or supersedes Christianity. Uh, That's for sure the most complicated part, but we'll get into it here in a minute.
0: Yeah, each of these themes, um, I think, are things we've talked about on the show before, but this is kind of a way to historically situate them, at least in some way. So, um, okay, I guess we can start here. Um, the article starts off kind of uh, where Dan McCannon is framing like what exactly his project is and why his project is, um, you know, looking at the specific time period in the specific party. So uh, Dan McCannon starts off saying this. My own focus will be primarily on party activists who lacked a formal academic base and whose denominational ties were tenuous. A close look at the published theological reflections of these individuals reveals that they were thoroughgoing social gospelers. Every bit is committed to a social interpretation of sin and salvation as the tradition's better-remembered academic representatives. At the same time, Socialist Party activists typically place more emphasis on the themes of Jesus as a socialist and the emerging universal religion than did Social gospelers, whose primary professional loyalty was to the denomination or seminary. So, okay, just right from the bat, you can see exactly what Dan McCannon's going after. Dan McCannon is a very fun name to say. I um, just want to say that <laughs> right now. I love saying it um anyways but you see what he's he's going after right he wants to look at these people who are part of the socialist party of america um who uh who have like this sort of like social gospel understanding of religion but like they have a commitment that's even more than that that they're actually socialists
1: yeah i think uh one of one of the things that's really neat about that is that he tries to distance them from the social gospel folks while at the same time saying they're part of that story um So, like he says, they're thoroughgoing social gospelers, right, in the same way that other people like Rauschenbusch or Niebuhr or whoever would also um, be social gospelers. But uh, they end up kind of because they end up like actually aligning with an institutional moment on the ground through the Socialist Party. Uh, They don't get kind of remembered in the same way that some of these other social gospel folks do who are, I guess, more naturally part of like the reproduction of the academy or the reproduction of professional theology. So this is like uh, a bunch of emergent um, theologies on the ground uh, that end up kind of being, I think... um, I think that he's right to say that they get sort of misremembered or or forgotten altogether uh, in light of some of these other more like high profile institutional social gospelers who don't like the institution of the socialist party, but do like the institution of their own kind of churches or the academic uh, environment of churches.
0: Yeah, it's a cool take. Um, I really appreciate um, someone going after the, you know, maybe non-official theologies or the, the theologies coming from people who, um, don't uh, yeah whose whose denominational ties are quote tenuous i think those are the interesting ones um that i think i'm more interested in at the moment anyways so uh it's cool
1: yeah and it's hard to do right like you have to look a lot harder than um like best-selling books and stuff like that you have to sort of comb through newspapers or clippings or pamphlets or old books that people don't really remember today but were influential 100 years ago or something
0: right and uh luckily for dan mccannon um The Socialist Party of America had its own Christian socialist journal that like most of this is coming from. So um, that's where they're pulling a lot of the sourcing from.
1: Yeah. All right. So to kind of move through this, I mean, this is a historical article, so we'll be pulling out a few quotes, but just trying to riff off of them a bit. Um, But here's another sort of interesting like setup thing that McCannon does. Uh, So he says Christian and post-Christian social gospelers were an important constituency within the party. From its beginnings, serving as organizers, educators, theorists, and candidates, and they were perhaps the dominant faction by the 1930s. For many of these radical religionists, the SPA was more than a political affiliation. It provided an institutional context for the work of theology that was as significant as congregations, seminaries, denominations, and ecumenical organizations. Um, So it's really interesting because it's again stressing that sort of belief with an institution and being willing to uh, throw yourself into it. Um, which was a question we were trying to deal with last week, like where are Christians supposed to be in a in a party? Um and in this case anyway, Christians are like right in the thick of it, even being what McCannon goes as far as to call a dominant faction uh, by the thirties.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I mean the this whole setup is basically just McCannon saying like, Surprise, uh they were Christians in the Socialist Party of America in the early nineteen hundreds <laughs> and like I mean duh. Like, of course, that's the case, but um, it's, a, it's a pleasant surprise. And I think that to the extent uh, the, the extent to which that like, Christians were actually involved, like the number of them, it is actually a kind of a nice surprise. So Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. So in, in more of this setup, uh, McCannon says the Socialist Party of America that was founded in 1901 was by far the most electorally successful socialist movement in the U.S. history, um, which I was kind of surprised to know about, too. Um, that's like the party of Eugene, uh, Eugene Debs that um, when he ran, got 6% of the vote, which is the largest socialist vote in the United States. So that's something. Um, so anyways, he goes on to say, the party was so large uh, because of the breadth of its constituency, drawing leaders from both the Social Labor Party and the People's Party. It sought to chart a middle path between the rigid Marxism of the former and the vague reformism of the latter. From the moment of its fu- from the moment of its founding, the Socialist Party of America recognized that ministers could play a vital role in bridging the gap between immigrant workers and native-born Americans. And they did play that role like pretty thoroughly. Um, so McCannon notes even uh, in like a few lines down, At least a half dozen Protestant ministers were elected to public office on the Socialist Party ticket. Among them, Berkeley Mayor uh, Jay Stitt Wilson, Wisconsin Congressman Carl Thompson, and Massachusetts Legislator Roland Sawyer. I don't know who any of those people are, but guess what? They're all pastors and they're socialists. Woo! Uh,
1: Stitt is a pretty good name. Stitt is a... Uh, what is that even short for? <laughs> J- <laughs> Pastor Stitt. Uh, Pastor Stitt. Stit Stittly out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, Mayor of Berkeley, so I don't know. Must be a big deal. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, I think that's really good to, to emphasize that, like, not only was the Socialist Party really successful, um, and not only did Christians become a, an important part of it in the 30s or whatever, but they were there at the beginning in really big ways, right? Uh, they were often, I mean, it's something we've talked about in the past, like when we talked about George Washington would be and stuff, like, pastors often performed a really intriguing role I think, in the Socialist Party, because they mediate all kinds of different communities and constituencies, uh, partly premised on the idea that Christians shouldn't like um, be necessarily like fighting one another in their own faith, despite denominational differences or whatever. They kind of uh, find some ways to converge within uh, a socialist politics, um, and then they kind of communicate that back to communities that might otherwise not be friendly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like a cool way to set it up. And it gives us a context to start talking about these three themes. Um, So we should talk through the first one a bit. It seems kind of obvious, I think, I mean, if you had to say like, what, what's a Christian socialist, presumably you would say something like this. Like it's a person who believes that uh, there are structural or social sins and that socialism is part of uh, uh, an essential Christian response to those social sins. Right. So like, I don't know. It might seem straightforward, but I think the the real interesting thing here is you could say something like that without uh, identifying yourself with a specific socialist party. In fact, you could say something like that and then go on to intentionally distance yourself, right? You could say like, yeah, I'm a Christian socialist. I think socialism is how we should deal with uh, these social sins, but I'm not like those, or I wouldn't join a party or something. Um, but what's crazy about these folks is that that's exactly what they did. Right. um, So we could talk about both sides of that equation. Maybe we should just talk about the the first bit. So McKinnon says, uh, Like all social gospelers, socialist party theologians insisted that theology was concerned not only with the relationship between God and the individual soul, but with society as a whole. Social solidarity was the great insight of the age, and classical notions of sin and salvation were to be applied to social structures as well as or instead of individuals. Um, So kind of a maybe basic point but i think a really important one to make
0: yeah it is a basic point i think it's like the point that underlies a lot of the stuff that we end up talking about in this podcast but at the same time it is like an important point because i don't feel like i mean if there's if there is a resurgence of the left now or something and that if there are christians involved in it like we seem to think that there are we haven't figured this part out very well yet like um I mean, maybe we believe it or something, but we haven't ever, like, organized in any kind of coherent way to express this as actually being true.
1: Yeah, I think that's totally right. I mean, that's the real struggle on the Christian left today, in the U.S. and Canada, at least. Like, um, there's no discernible uh, mass movement of Christians that you could join uh, that would give you any kind of sense that, like, you're a majority faction within a real socialist movement or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean... You know, the best the best you get is like, uh, you know, you get in a Twitter bubble or like Reddit page or Facebook group or something. And that's like kind of as far as it goes.
1: Yeah. Like even having even uh, Christians for Socialism or whatever here in Toronto is like a pretty small niche group of people. Yeah. Um, or like everything that's very cool about the friendly fire folks in Philadelphia, which is amazing, is like, you know, that's what's going on over there, which is amazing. There's other stuff going on in other places, but there's no. Uh, there's no kind of party structure or organizational uh hub that kind of unifies all those struggles
0: yeah i mean i don't mean to just like cast shade and say like like look we suck but I I, but i think it's like the the point is that like um this is actually like a really important piece of it that um that christianity has to be like understood as less individualistic and more social and like i just we sh- we should probably figure that out <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. like i'm not i don't want to be like um the Christian left sucks or whatever, or it's, like, completely a failure. I still don't think it's true. I just think it's it's just, like, a point we have to relearn.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, but I think it's one of those things where you have to recognize the problem in its full force uh, yeah. before you, you know, go on to kind of skip ahead to the solution. I think a lot of Christian leftists are, like, rightly excited about the solution bit, um, but have a harder time, like, connecting the dots or something. I mean, myself included. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think so, too. Okay, cool. Well, McCannon goes on uh, past that and kind of on the same point. Um, he says, uh, Socialist party theologians nuanced their understanding of social salvation by insisting that capitalism as a whole, and not only its abuses, was a form of social sin and thus incompatible with Christianity. Since God intended the good things of creation for those who labor with head or brain, declared the first local chapter of the uh, Christian Socialist Fellowship, uh, the brotherhood and comradeship of Jesus would be fully realized when the cooperative commonwealth of humanity is established in the world. Okay. There's a lot of nice stuff happening here, but I think still like the same point stands. It's just like, um, uh, like understanding, um, understanding capitalism as a type of social sin just seems like it has to be more than like an understanding or a theological point, but it has to be more of like a, a matter of organization. So out of the, uh, socialist party of America, came these, like, other sort of, like, smaller groups that were, um, I don't know, they're not, like, like maybe a caucuses or other sort of, like, groups within the organization that were more geared, toward, geared towards Christians. So the one that came out of Eugene V. Debs' era uh, Socialist Party of, of America was the uh, Christian Socialist Fellowship, which is just a group of Christians who were also socialists that were in the party. So um, there were people that were figuring this question out of, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? who was um, interested in understanding social sin and trying to figure out um, ways for reconciliation and um, like a sort of more party or institutional kind of format
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah and I think it's cool to to go out of their way to connect the the problem of capitalism specifically with all the also the solution of that socialist um vision or whatever uh that these two things are necessarily connected so it isn't just that like there there are social sins or social dimensions to sin which is the social gospel kind of hallmark or whatever um but that you know you could you could name an entire economic system as being sinful uh and like a specific one right and then you could turn around and also advocate for a program that would change that in its entirety which would mark a certain kind of distance from some social gospel folks, not all of them, obviously, but some of the big ones wouldn't go that far.
0: Yeah. I don't want to like skip ahead too far at, the, at this point, but like um, at the end of this article, Dan McCannon says, uh, he lays out some ways that these like themes are still around. And I think that this, like the social salvation and social sin kind of theme is definitely still around. I mean, it's something that I would definitely hear in my own church for sure. Um, But I, the thing I would not hear is that like, yeah so like join the socialist
1: party that's not part of it <laughs> i wouldn't hear that part uh all right so let's talk about that second theme so the second one is that jesus is a socialist i'm less thrilled he... about this one <laughs> yeah yeah no we'll we'll definitely dig into it um so uh it's not just that jesus is like into socialism or would like socialists or whatever but that he is one himself um so here's a quick uh quote So McCannon writes, spurning the nuanced, multifaceted picture of Jesus favored by academic Bible scholars, uh, they did not hesitate to declare flatly that the Bible is a socialistic book and that Jesus, the great proletarian was a socialist. Jesus belongs to those who labor declared Harvey D Brown, uh, while Eugene Debs himself insisted that Jesus was a carpenter's son who taught what socialism teaches. Um, So that's like obviously an intervention in a rhetorical, kind of game um this is something we talked a little bit about with uh heath carter a lot a while back during the discussion we had with him about his book union made um Mm -hmm. but i think it's a really interesting intervention in that rhetorical game right like they're trying to claim jesus's legacy for themselves unapologetically uh but matt i know you've got some some beef with that move yeah i
0: get it i get it as a i get it as like a rhetorical move claiming Jesus as a socialist. I mean, but it's like what people always do with politics is like, well, Jesus was a Democrat or whatever. It just right. seems, it's just like, it's just as silly as saying that, I think. Not that, okay. I mean, I think that we can say a lot of like qualitative things about Jesus's politics. I think that's totally true. And I think that we can say that Jesus was like a worker because that was probably true too. I mean, not probably, like definitely, huh? Um, nice. and he had, he had a lot of things to say to workers and he had a lot of things to say about property and a lot of things to say about private property. And like, that is all totally true. Um, but like, you can't say Jesus is a socialist because like capitalism didn't even exist yet or something like, you know, like <laughs> it just seems like, it, or if, if Jesus is a socialist, it's not, it doesn't mean the same thing in that context as it does in this context. Like, yeah, yeah. the, the kind of time and place that Jesus is, is different and like socialism as the socialist party of the america does not exist as such so like is jesus a proto-socialist or is jesus like a primitive communist like yeah like that's fine i could get down with that that's maybe a better description but just saying that jesus is socialist is a rhetorical term that makes me just kind of roll my eyes because i don't think it's like very good or like helpful even. Cause it's just like, it's just one more way to demarcate like Jesus as belonging to this political party or whatever. And uh, I don't know, it just, it just does more harm than good or it makes the conversation more complicated than it needs to be.
1: Yeah. No, I think there's something to that. And it's also, I think important to ask why you would need Jesus to be a socialist. Yeah. Um, Cause like you don't. And if you feel that you do need Jesus to be a socialist to get Christians on your side like I think that there's a little more political education that you have to do with those Christians probably Um, Mm -hmm. because you shouldn't be a socialist because Jesus was one, honestly. I mean, it's, it would be cool if he like came back or whatever and he was like, Hey, you ought to be a socialist in in this way or something like that. But you should be a socialist because of like that first point, the earlier point, I think um, that you recognize that there's like a social sin going on. If you're a Christian uh, and to remedy that, you need like an entire kind of re, um, you know, remaking of the social terrain or whatever, uh, rather than saying, "Well, Jesus would would be a socialist or was a socialist, therefore I'm one." Uh, it's just kind of like an unthoughtful way of of closing the gap. I think you're right about that.
0: Yeah, it. I don't know. It just it, you know, if someone like if you got someone in the in the door of the party meeting because like you said, Jesus is a socialist, like you'd have to have like a really long and like awkward conversation later when I actually had to walk back most of your claims.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: It's like, oh, uh, okay, cool. Jesus was socialist, that's great. Um oh uh, yeah, like show me where he, where he starts talking about industrialization and the proletariat and stuff. <laughs> Tell oh uh, where is it where's that at? <laughs> it's <just> like oh, <laughs> sorry. I meant these other things by it. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It seems unhelpful. Like just it's it's fine rhetoric I guess, but just unhelpful.
1: <laughs> yeah all right well uh what do you think about this here's a little bit more rhetoric that we can talk about um so mccain writes uh sort of describing the the uptake of jesus in the party um jesus's task was uh simply to restore the mosaic code he did so as a class conscious teacher committed to the principle of from each according to his capacity to each according to his need like the anarchist jesus threw a bomb into the roman conception of the state though it was a bomb of love a significant concession since the party was in the process of expelling IWW anarchists. <laughs> uh, very important line. Um, yeah. Uh, but one one of the theologians backpedaled by explaining that Jesus was too identified with the poor and lonely to be captivated by mendicant approaches to social reform. Instead, the socialists can well claim that were Jesus here today, he would be one of us. So making a little bit um, a little bit more of that distance there, I think. Uh, but it's cool that and I think, also goes out of his way to show the complexity of the political situation as well, um, and how Jesus actually ends up weirdly wrapped up in some contemporary political problems like the IWW and SPA relationship.
0: Yeah, sure. Also, uh, Jesus is class-conscious teacher. I can get down with that. That's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. It does sound right. thats a, He was—he thought a lot about class. So there you go. <laughs> uh jesus was a class conscious teacher though is not the same uh thing you could print on a t-shirt as jesus was a socialist
0: <laughs> yeah i mean you could put it on a t-shirt
1: and i'd yeah, buy it <laughs> but i'm like also not very you know fashionable so uh ben wildflower could put it on a t-shirt i could not
0: oh dang he could and he'd make it look good
1: that's true all right let's move to that third one the last one um this is the this weirdest one one though it's really weird and it is definitely like, I don't know. It's one that is really hard to fully embrace uh, as though you have to, obviously you don't have to, but it's a hard one to like sympathize with even. Uh Um, So the idea is that socialism would become a, uh, a religious way of transcending Christianity into a true religion. So socialism is the true religion beyond uh, Christianity. And I mean, there's some historical points that make a lot of sense of this. Like, this is something that's in the air around that time. Um, you know, you could, if you know much about like American transcendentalism or even just kind of American spirituality in general, like there are all kinds of people trying to figure out like a more universal religion or universalizing form of religion. And in this case, it just happens to be socialism because that's the, uh, you know, the politics they're all working with. Um And I think that like the wild thing about it is that it ends up creating this really awkward situation where um, (laughs) socialism becomes the universalizing mediator by which all important specificities actually get lost. Um, Not only Christian specificities, but like all of them. Uh, And we've talked a little bit about that danger in this podcast before, but I think this is like a weird way in which the danger actually gets uh, like the danger comes through the vehicle of Christianity in a really unsettling way.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, well, okay, when you and I were starting to talk about this before we were recording, uh, the the phrase that we kind of came up with was social supersessionism in the sense that like, um, you know, uh, Christianity will be emptied of its sort of like ethical and political meaning that like uh understanding of social sin and um you know you'll, you'll do away with all of the other stuff that's like too weird for you to deal with as like a materialist or something or, or like a just like you know sort of like rational person in the 1900s
1: right and that's not just like supersessionism in the in a way of like just transcending christianity or whatever but in a way that like repeats the really really bad supersessionism of christianity itself or whatever. Where <laughs> yeah you're, that's like, good... you're like anti-semitic <laughs>
0: right i think that's a good point and i think i hate it i think that's the, like thing the worst idea um i mean it's also this trope of like transcending christianity um, like and getting rid of the weird stuff and just taking sort of like the social ethic is not like a new trope i think i mean we can probably find all kinds of examples um where people have like made like a rational jesus that doesn't have you know the miracles or whatever but like what i hate so much about it is that like Getting rid of the weird stuff in Christianity, and but when I say weird stuff, I mean like I guess all the supernatural stuff or all of like the you know the real s- spiritual stuff or something. Like, if you get rid of that, like a lot of the social ethic stuff doesn't really make sense or it loses some of its like dynamism. Um, when you do that, like if you if you wanted to just like uh supersede Christianity with like a socialist ethic that is informed by like Jesus the socialist, then like you get. A really weird thing because like you don't even get married you can't even have a magnificat if you like do that right or you can't even have like bread like bread and fishes if you do that it's just like so much of this like so much of like who jesus is as that class conscious teacher doesn't make sense unless you have like who jesus actually is within the context of christianity and the context of judaism
1: yeah and i think it also just becomes a weird um a weird form of like progress, like a weird narrative of progress that yeah. ends up uh, eclipsing all the important things that people on the left should know about. I think <laughs> um, like it isn't the case that, uh... okay, so here's where it repeats that really bad Christian anti-Semitism Cause the way the narrative goes is like one time you had Judaism and then that got replaced by a better religion called Christianity. And then that is going to get replaced by an even better religion called socialism and uh i mean there are a lot of like really dangerous social problems with that um i mean i don't know it's like (laughs) you don't want to end up creating a story where uh, the world's getting better and better and better underneath uh, the weight of like the brutalities of capitalism or whatever but you also don't want to create a world where for the world to get better you have to like uh do away with like the stupidity of like other religions, specifically like the Jewish religion in like the nineteen twenties and thirties.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's uh <laughs> particularly bad, huh? Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so okay, that uh thanks, I hate it, I think, uh, past Christian socialists. Um there is a sense in which some of this is like, I guess I kind of can understand it, um, or I could kind of reason it out if we maybe take it in a little bit of a different direction. Like If you think about it in different terms, though, like Jesus versus like Jesus, the socialist kind of person, um, maybe in all of his Christian specificity, uh, but verse like the idea of institutional religion or the type of like shackles that institutional religion can like possibly put on like a real wild and radical Jesus like that makes some sense instead. Right. Like that's one way of thinking about it or like or a Christianity that is socialist, that is like um moving against the idea of like congregations or not congregations but denominations like maybe that could make sense too cuz because that type of transformation i think we can maybe even find today even though it's not socialist we could find that con- that that transformation of of church uh, being about denomination and theology and tradition uh, moving toward you know some different kind of direction where church means something different than that.
1: Yeah, I know. I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's actually what uh, Herbert McCabe talks about that, right? In the class struggle and Christian love that if there's going to be another reformation, it has to come along class lines because the doctrinal differences aren't really important. Um, they're yeah. not antagonisms in the way that the class antagonism is is present. Yeah. Um, so, sure, like, there's definitely an element of that um, and the, the sort of Jesus is socialist versus, like, all the, the hierarchies or denominations that try to tame Jesus or something. I think you're right to point that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I wonder – this
0: is, like, a question that I don't know how to answer, so it's probably dangerous for me, for me to say it right now. But I wonder how, like, we might understand, like, the, the prevalence of, like, sort of non-denominational churches in light of that kind of framework hmm. or, like – uh, even not even non-denominational churches but like like post-denominational churches where it's like listen our church uh, it's so cool you're gonna love it it doesn't have a coffee shop in it. it's not a mega church it meets like in a movie theater and like or whatever you know it's like not even a church. it's like mm-hmm. post post church Christianity or something where that might be like a type of counter revolutionary <laughs> reformation <laughs> along class lines where it's like very bourgeoisie.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's also weird. Yeah, it's crazy to think of like non-denominational churches as places where you go to transcend all the meaningless differences of Christianity, <laughs> uh, and like unite around uh, your common liberalism or something. Or like your common like not even liberalism,
0: but common like uh, just like c- centrism and yeah, like, yeah, and like des- desire for like a meaningless spirituality.
1: Yeah, your common consumerism, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that might be, yeah. That's the, there's a Baudrillardian thing going on here I'm positive of.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Um, it's too bad that Baudrillard went to California and didn't just go to megaturches.
0: Dang, if Baudrillard went to the Midwest rather than California, it'd have been, um, Baudrillard would have gotten depressed way
1: quicker. <laughs> yeah, but he would have gotten a lot of better riding gun.
0: <laughs> that might be true.
1: <laughs> uh it, all right if, well, if hmm. i could have taken baudrillard
0: down to some okay i don't know if you've ever been to like arkansas arkansas is not a bad place uh inherently i don't think but uh i've been to little, little rock arkansas and like i think most of the things i've seen were sorry most of the things i saw were these churches in like uh, uh like old used car dealerships they, like, they used to be car dealerships but now they're like non-denominational <laughs> churches and i want oh, i wish man. i could just resurrect baudrillard and bring him there and just be like look this is why I... <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> that is think? such
1: an amazing, like, uh, co mingling of symbols.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. And I, uh, it was a few years ago that I saw that, and I'm still thinking about it. So it just
1: makes go. me think of um, uh, Danny DeVito and Matilda as an evangelical <laughs> megachurch pastor.
0: <laughs> yeah. It and works. Then, and then when you sin, they make you eat a big chocolate
1: cake, and they put you in the chokey. Oh boy, I haven't seen that movie in a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's we're, we're losing the plot here. Let's let's round this around, round it around. Um, it's past one AM already. <laughs> uh, all right, so here's something that's really neat about this article. It does a lot of historical stuff. It brings out some weird weird stuff. But what's cool, and also I think really problematic at the same time is that McKinnon tries to um, illuminate, like, some contemporary trends really, really briefly, probably all too briefly, uh, by thinking through the legacy of socialist party theology. Um, And what I think is actually cool as an approach is to say, all right, the socialist party isn't around anymore to the same degree or in the same way that it once was, um, and all the Christians who were there seem to have, you know, not, not uh stayed on with the same force that we might have hoped um but nevertheless they like their legacy kind of lives on in other ways and they've transformed our society in ways that we're still unable to shake um i think that's actually a cool impulse uh to say that this isn't something that's like completely lost to history or whatever but it takes a little bit of work to maybe find out where the threads um where they lead and uh also maybe where they end in certain points in history
0: yeah, I think so, too. It is a cool thing. Um, yeah, it's it's a cool article because, I mean, it's like the it's just part of the part of the history of the social gospel that, yeah, we don't know about. Um, but, yeah, in the conclusion, he does definitely try to bridge or he tries to make some connections, I think, are not the best. Or, or maybe he just like mislocates them. Like he's trying to find the places that those like major themes of the Socialist Party um, of like the Socialist Party theology, like where they are today. And like mm-hmm. how around they are, and he locates them in some pretty bizarre places. Uh, in my honest opinion,
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, well, let me read just like the sort of concluding paragraph here, because he brings some of them out, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, so just a minute, because it's kind of a it's a few lines. So he says the major themes of socialist party theology remain prominent in certain circles. Evangelical activists affiliated with Sojourners magazine and the new monastic movement echo the Jesus the Socialist tradition by treating radical activism as a form of imitatio Christi, while the desire for a universal religion is evident in the spiritual but not religious activists attracted to the network of spiritual progressives, as well as much of the women's spirituality movement. Many Catholic worker communities and communities that identify as in the tradition of the Catholic worker uh, include a bunch of people he goes on to talk about. Yet the particular theologies implicit in these identify, er, identities have not received as much academic attention as the liberation theologies that emerged when Reinhold Niebuhr's academic and denominational admirers verged back to the left. The imbalance is understandable. Academic historians of theology naturally begin with the history of academic theology, but will not fully understand the diverse logics of religious reasoning until we have plumbed the depths of socialist party theology and its many analogues. Uh, so let's start from the bottom and work up, uh, Mm because I think the bottom is actually a very good point.
0: Yeah. It's weird how, like, I think everything he's saying is right, except like the few, the few
1: examples he uh, pulls out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That is what's so strange about this article. Like, uh, what he's advising is extremely good advice. Like, don't just start with the academic canon of social gospel Christians or, uh, or progressive Christians. Um, you've got to look a little harder and maybe you have to look at like, socialist institutions and then find out where the christians are rather than the other way around like find out where the christians are and then see what social institutions they get involved in i think that's like extremely good and and the right approach
0: yeah i think so too yeah 100 percent. okay but the weird part, <laughs> okay, I want to <laughs> be charitable here, too, because I don't think it's, like, 100% wrong. Like, I, I kind of see where he's coming from, but also it just feels weird to me. Okay. Yeah. So, back to that, uh, that was the bottom part that I think is good. Let's talk about the beginning that I think is a little bit whack. Mm-hmm. Um, the major themes of socialist party theology remain prominent in certain circles. Evangelical activists affiliated with Sojourners magazine and the, quote, new monastic movement echo the Jesus, the socialist tradition, by treating radical activism as a form of imitatio Christi. Okay. Hang on. So like this makes sense to me because both sojourners and new monasticism did kind of uh, treat the ethics of Jesus as like a call to activism. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, sojourners definitely did that. new monasticism, I think you could say is about that in some ways. Um, I mean, Shane Claiborne, I'm sure, has shown up to a few um, protests in his day. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So I believe, <laughs>
1: yeah, he goes to lots of them. He he's he's into it.
0: He's into it. It's great. Sorry, I was, yeah, okay. Uh, anyways, the part that seems like weird to me though is that the Sojourners magazine or New Monasticism um, echo the Jesus is the socialist part of the tradition. So right. like, I believe that they are interested in activism, but I don't believe that they're interested in socialism in a really robust way like i I don't know um i'm not an avid reader of sojourners but i do kind of like get the feeling i know what they're about just by kind of reading the amount i have read and it seems like you know sojourners is maybe more of like that that good sort of like crunchy left liberalism um, (laughs) uh, of like the best types of churches or something you know that are interested in um in activism I mean, I uh, also want to give the provision too that I think uh, since Daniel Camacho is now in charge of the Sojourners online magazine and, uh, and John Thornton <laughs> he, is—he's one is writing, editor, but right and and, we'll, and John Thornton's out there right now. Those Enneagram articles, like maybe it's different now, <laughs> but like you know, I don't think it's super true.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And it's also, it it is the the Jesus the Socialist thing is what makes all the difference, right? Because he says, like, that's what characterizes Socialist Party theology. Uh, But I would guess, like, I mean, I could be wrong, but presumably if you asked, like, the Shane Claiborne who wrote the book Jesus for President, was Jesus a socialist in the way that Eugene Debs is a socialist? He probably would have said no, is my assumption. Yeah, Uh, And he, like, wouldn't be wrong to say it. uh, It's just that, like, it's a completely different vision of the politics of Jesus. Um like people in the Socialist Party were not reading, um thinking what's his name? The pacifist guy. Howard Yoder. John Howard yeah. Yoder is uh, <laughs> Howard Yoder. Uh how, good old Howie Yoder. Um, they weren't reading, like, his Politics of Jesus book and then kind of extrapolating a politics out of it. Um, they were, like, participating in socialist politics and then thinking about Jesus in light of it, which strikes yeah. me as kind of the complete reverse.
0: Yeah, it's different because, like, Shane Claiborne's, like, you know, the, the point is that, like, you know... Um, People who are engaged in, you know, quote, politics of this world, you know, wouldn't ever want Jesus as president or something like that. Right. Right. Whereas the Socialist Party, they have a sort of theological approach and kind of a Christology that's like, yes, we do.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because and he looks as, like Eugene is Debs. one of us. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. He looks like Eugene Devs. So I don't know. It seems like on the one hand, I, I understand what uh, Dan McCann is after at this point. But I think that it's just like a weird connection that doesn't actually quite connect.
1: Yeah, it's a really weird thing because it undermines something that he says earlier in his article, which is basically, like, a lot of academic people look at the social gospel and they think of all these people who are tied to, like, these institutions, whatever, and they have maybe a a more, um, like, a softer version of a radical Jesus, whereas Mm -hmm. we should be looking at the socialist party. And it's like, well... I totally think that he's, he would be right to note that the social gospel lives on in Sojourners and the new monastic movement. Like that, like no no arguments there. Yeah, um, but like the official but,
0: social gospel story, you know, not, yeah. the, uh, not the one he lays out here.
1: Exactly. So, I don't know. It's a weird inversion. Um, okay, but I think wait, let's add this
0: in really quick though too. Yeah. Uh, Dan McCann does say that um, the Catholic worker also, um, you know, echoes that that Jesus is socialist. And that's probably true.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
0: actually like actually very true. I don't know. We've talked to Joe Cruz before. We know he's like, and yes, that's true. There.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Um, I think though he also he also has a weird thing when he tries to connect the um, like universal religion trope because he says that that categorizes the network of spiritual progressives. And much of the women's spirituality movement, that's a very nebulous thing to say. Um, But I think what's weird about that is even in those cases, like, if you're spiritual but not religious as an activist, that's not the same thing as saying socialism is the religion, the true universal religion that will eclipse all other sort of faith traditions. Yeah, I think so. That's pretty different, actually. (laughs) Yeah, like sure like they inherit a certain kind of like american spirituality maybe or you know i don't know like they they have some kind of tie to like this transcendental uh like new thought or theosophy that also feeds into the socialist party um but it isn't the case that the socialist party lives on in those movements because like as far as I know, they don't really have anything to do explicitly with wanting a socialist party institution. There are socialists in them or whatever, but I'd be pretty surprised if they described socialism as like the, their own true religion or whatever, as on on the whole or something.
0: It would it would be so wild if that. I mean, it, if that is the case, and we're wrong on this, like that is. Uh, I would love to know more about it because like it'd be the funniest <laughs> and weirdest thing to people who are like interested in like yeah like new thought or theosophy and they're like but also materialism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, and also like if we're wrong about it, please tell us cuz that would be right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah,
0: well, okay. I'm I'm open to knowing. I'd be I be <laughs> if there's some kind of like weird 1900s uh yeah, theosophy socialism mashup, I would love to know about it. It would be very fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: There is some of that actually. yeah yeah, i'm reading a really good book right now uh as background for the class i'm teaching with this article in it um called uh history of marxism in the united states and he makes this really awesome argument that what catalyzes socialism in the u.s isn't like the discovery of marxist science or marxism and (laughs) Engelsism, but uh rather it emerges out of an american spiritualist tradition uh and then the marx stuff kind of comes on later as, like, a helpful device to sort out a bunch of the weird utopian stuff that's going on in, like, the 1800s, 1900s. Huh.
0: Yeah, and actually, now that you say that, too, um, Elizabeth K. Stanton was, like, a, she was, like, a democratic socialist, if you know who she is. She was, like, a, like a really popular sort of suffragist person and also a person who was really interested in, like, that early, um, like, women's, like, Christian women's movement. But she uh, mm-hmm. ended up being a socialist and also has, like, some weird other, like, stuff going on in her life, too. So I guess it's like, um, you know, it's it's out there, I suppose. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> yeah, I, we yeah. just said if, if it's out there and we don't know about it, tell us. But look, I think we know about it, I guess.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I think it's probably a good time for us to wrap it up. Um, it's like it's so late that we don't even need transition music to get over to the outro. That's how I feel about it right now. Yeah. Um, we don't need any at all. uh all right thanks for listening to the Magnificast. uh if you like what you heard you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash the Magnificast. uh you should also send us some hot theology questions uh ask us completely unqualified to talk to you about what uh what's going on with the trinity how are there three people and one person and one person and three people uh we'll we'll come up with an answer on the spot uh also so i guess i don't know email those to us at themagnificast at gmail.com and listen if you Um, don't
0: we're gonna just read more christian preppers like that's what's gonna happen (laughs) is that what you
1: want you want to be in the bunker
0: (laughs) whoa hey wait a minute is okay hang on
1: (laughs) is rod dreyer's benedict option about christian preppers (laughs) in a way yes He's I mean, prepping for the decline of Western civilization, I guess. Yeah. If, but. If,
0: you, if you think about it, though, all Christianity is kind of like prepping, you know, because like Jesus is the one true preparation you need.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you think about it, that's true. That's exactly <laughs> why I don't. I choose not to. Yeah. That's
0: the part, though, that you weren't <laughs> doing is thinking about
1: it. <laughs> that, wa- that was it. Yeah. Um, so if you start thinking about it and you have some good Christian prepping tips, you can tweet them at us uh, at the Magnificast. You can talk to us about it at, in the uh, Magnificast basement, which is our Facebook group. Probably the most appropriate place for Christian prepper tips. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, shoot us an email. Uh, all right. As always, our music is by Amori Armstrong, who has a great album out, by the way, on Bandcamp. Check that out. It's in our, uh, our episode description from last week. And our outro is by the logical spoon. All right, see you next week. I don't wanna get up for church in the morning. Church in the morning, soul's alive.